Amen. Thank you so much for serving, those of you who served on that serve day. What a beautiful thing for the body of Christ to be able to just love on those in our church family. Amen? Amen. Can we just thank those who serve? Thank you guys so much. Just want to say thank you. Thank you for those of you who serve with your time, with your effort. Um, uh, those of you who help pitch in and make that happen and make it a reality. It's just a, a beautiful thing for our church to be able to do. And I love where at the end of the video that um, Joanne says that uh, this is family because that's what we're called to be. Amen? We're supposed to care for one another and this is the body of Christ loving on and caring for one another. Last week, I preached a message about intercession and talked about another way we can care for one another and exhort one another, and that is through actually standing in the gap for others by being a people of intercession and how we're all called to be intercessors at some level, regardless of whether you have a gift of maybe for long extended periods of time and God regularly uses you in that area, um, or whether it's something that you just need to be aware of and develop that gift of intercession. We all need to be standing in the gap for other people. And we've been learning about prayer. We've been learning how to pray. We've been challenged to pray. We've been praying corporately as a church over different things. And hopefully you have been stretched and you have been stepping outside of what is comfortable. And you've been saying yes to those leadings and those promptings and those opportunities to be able to pray for yourself, for your family, and for others as well. So this week we're going to talk about being a house of prayer. I remember gathering on Tuesday nights at the church that I grew up in for prayer meeting. I don't know if you grew up in church or not, but I did. And we always went on Tuesday because for some reason in church, that's just prayer night, you know, the way that I grew up. And I remember we had orange carpet. I remember orange chairs. And I remember counting ceiling tiles as a child, you know. <laughs> there was a map on the wall of the, of the world. And I remember being in that environment. We, it was kind of cool at our church. It was a room designated for prayer that was actually a, an upper room that was behind um, the stage at our church. And we would gather there on Tuesdays for prayer. I remember as a child, my mother would always have my sister and I come into the living room every morning for prayer and we would always pray and she would lead us in a devotional and my mom did not care if we had a friend spend the night or not no it didn't matter we were still going to do those devotions and prayer and I felt like my younger sister would always want to kind of capitalize on that moment when I had a friend spend the night because when it was time to pray sometimes mom would have us sing and my sister would sing extra loud and pray extra loud just to kind of embarrass me a little bit and all right Derek it's your turn and do I have to you know and I remember growing up that way. I remember mom at night, she would tell us, uh, you know, remember to say your prayers. And she taught us how to pray. She taught us how to love the Lord and talk to the Lord. And I remember that uh, we would always uh, quote different scriptures that she would have us memorize and things like that. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to grow up in a house of prayer that put priority on prayer. And so even with my children, I try to make a point that every night that we gather together and that we pray and so as we're growing in this, we need to continue to grow in how this impacts our lives every single day, not just when we attend a church gathering, amen? 
We need to talk to God about our day. We need to thank Him. We need to make our petitions known. We need to deepen our faith, deepen our dependence on Him. Because in Scripture, we never see that my house shall be called a great house of preaching. We never find that verse. I I don't know where it is. Maybe some of you who are more well-versed in Scripture could help me out. But I just haven't found that. I haven't found a verse that says, my house shall be a house of just great music. But what I have found is that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Amen? Not just great ministries, not just great teaching, not just great outreach, not just great preaching and teaching, but it should be a house of prayer. Let's go look at where Jesus actually said that over in John, the second chapter. So let's look at John 2. And we're going to start reading in verse 13. So the Gospel of John, I'll give you just a second to get there. Chapter 2 and verse 13. Scripture says this, The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus is saying here, it's not about this. You've missed the point. You've missed the mark. This is to be a house of prayer. This is to be a sacred place, a place where we gather, and a place that is sacred, not just because of what we do, but because of who we are doing it to and for. And when we neglect prayer, what was once sacred can become common to us. When we aren't regularly positioning our hearts in such a way that we are remembering the holiness of God and the power of God and who He is, things that are supposed to be sacred, things that are meant to be holy, that are meant to be set apart, that are meant to set us as His people apart, those things can become very common. Matter of fact, we see over and over in the book of Proverbs where Scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So that means that the foundation of our relationship with God needs to be one of a holy, reverent fear where we take Him seriously. It's the foundation of anything that you and I could ever hope to know in our fellowship with God or ever experience. It's being in awe of who He is. And if we neglect that time in prayer, if we are not a house of prayer, if we not, are not a people of prayer, then what will end up happening is that we just treat it as, it's, it's no big deal. I'll just, I'll just do this later. Or, or this thing that was once very special and sacred, and it just, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And we just kind of run through it because that's the thing we're supposed to do. We're supposed to sing these songs. We're supposed to hear these sermons. We're supposed to go and do these nice things for our neighbor. And we just do these things and treat them as they're common if we're not regularly setting our heart in such a way through prayer, reminding ourselves of the holiness of God. So here in the context of what's going on, 
with Jesus when he comes in and tells them, you've made my father's house basically a, a den of thieves, but it's supposed to be rooted and grounded in prayer. The Passover was at hand. That's how uh, John writes this in uh, verse 13. The Passover was at hand, and so many people were coming to Jerusalem from out of town. So you have all these different people who have different types of currency, and there's money changers there changing out their currency. But what they were doing is that they were able to add a surcharge on top of what they would normally exchange the money for. And so these guys are lining their pockets. There are many things in the Old Testament talking about actually buying and purchasing some of these animals to uh, offer up as sacrifice. So it wasn't the selling of the sacrifices themselves as much as it was the wickedness of the hearts of the people who were doing it. They had taken something that was once sacred that was meant to be just for worship, and they were using it as an opportunity to monetize this thing and basically extort those who were traveling and coming to offer sacrifice to God during Passover. And so because of this extortion, something that was once sacred has now become an opportunity for me to get rich. And sometimes people will even try to do that with the gospel. They'll take it as a, something that's meant to impact eternity and change our lives, and, and they've taken something that's supposed to be sacred and made it just all about stuff. That's not what this is supposed to be about. We need to stay grounded in the purpose and that comes through being a house of prayer. Because it's very important, the spirit that you approach what you are doing for God with. It's very important, the attitude, the intention, the mindset, the why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it just to appease someone? Is it just so someone will think well of me or think that I'm spiritual? Is it just so someone will look well upon me? Or is it just to get my wife to get off my back? Or is it just to make my parents happy? Or what is the why? What is the motive? What's the thing that's driving me to do what I am doing? Because my question is, are we doing what we're doing for God? Are we doing it for His glory? Or are we looking for gain? Are we looking to get noticed? Are we looking to elevate ourselves? What's our motive? What's our intention? You see, when we are a people of prayer, when we prioritize prayer, we deepen our dependence on God. And so today we're going to look at three different houses that I believe that if we make these houses a house of prayer, God will move and do the impossible in and through those houses. So let's start with the first one. It's your church. Your church is to be a house of prayer. Whether you're here visiting and you may have a, a different church that you regularly attend, or maybe you call Word of Grace your home church, your church should be a house of prayer. Amen, somebody. Amen. The church began as a prayer meeting. Think about this. Over in the book of Acts, the church, when it was birthed, what was it birthed out of? A group of people gathering in unity to pray. They were waiting because they knew God was going to do something because Jesus had told them to wait and he was going to empower them to be witnesses. And so in this room, they're waiting, they're praying, they're communing with God. And out of that prayer is this thing that, that is developed called the church. And it is empowered by the Holy Spirit from day one. Day one, right out of the gates. It wasn't a gradual thing. It's like, this is how we're going to kick this thing off. We're going to launch this thing through prayer and through the power of the Holy Spirit. What a powerful, powerful picture. And then <laughs> throughout the years, isn't it funny how we've tried to help God out? 
when God doesn't need our help, he needs us to still do the same thing that the first church did back then, and that was depend on him. Amen? Amen. Well, God, I know over here I got to do this, I got to fix this, I got to make this, got to No, let's just depend on him. If we're not starting with prayer, if prayer is not at the foundation, we will drift into our own devices and depend on our own strength. Because if I'm not depending on God, who am I really depending on? Am I depending on something someone else has done, another foundation? Am I depending on my own wit, my own innovation? Am I depending on my own ideas, my own ability? Or am I truly depending on the Lord to do what only He can do? Because I don't care how great you are, how great you think I am, or any other church leader may be, we do not have the power or the ability to change a heart. We just don't. We cannot manipulate the strings well enough to get everyone's heart to just fall in line where it should be, nor if we could, should we? Because God is the one who gets the glory for all of that, amen? But if I'm not a person of prayer, I can drift away, and I can think it's about me, and I can think it's up to me, and I can think this whole thing's riding on my shoulders, and it's not. And from the beginning of this thing called church, it wasn't. And the church began as that prayer meeting. And if you look throughout history, every significant, genuine move of God, you can trace it back to somebody or some group began to pray. They began to pray. They began to see the priority of prayer. Every time the Lord has done a significant shift or change or, or, or moving or, or, or breaking away from something that was toxic, all throughout history we can look at the different moves of God and they were traced back to prayer. You see, God will move and do the impossible when we trust in Him, amen? And so we need to make sure that our church is a house of prayer. And I am not talking about 837 Buffalo Street. I am not talking about these four walls because the church is not somewhere we go. It's, it's who we are. We are the body of Christ. You see, that means you and I, everywhere we go, every day we're the body of Christ. And that means this gathering of believers, this local gathering that's sharpening each other, supporting one another, caring for one another, serving one another. That means that we should be a house, a collective house of prayer. Amen? Amen. We should be a house of prayer. So your church should be a house of prayer. Um, go over to John 15, and let's look at verse 1 through 5. So hopefully you're still hanging out there in John from earlier. So just flip over a few pages to John 15. We're going to look at verse 1 through 5. Jesus said this. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> Jesus is speaking about bearing fruit as a believer. And if we are truly 
a believer that has the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. There should be evidences of the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And Scripture refers to that often as fruit. The fruit of the Spirit that is being manifested, that's coming out of our lives, of our walk with God. And he said it's going to be apparent. People are going to know that you are abiding in me and that I'm abiding in you because there's going to be a lot of fruit. That's how people are going to know. They're going to see the fruit of love. They're going to see the fruit of joy. They're going to see the fruit of contentment and peace and and gentleness and and patience and kindness and long-suffering. They're going to see that type of fruit being born in your life because I am abiding in you and you are abiding in me. So anything good that comes out of you, he said, it's me. He's basically saying that anything good that comes out of you is him. And the result of his spirit on the inside. And so the difference is, is that he said, apart from me, you can't really do any of these things. Now, we can do things apart from him. You know, we can maybe, maybe do certain things. We say, oh, I don't, I don't need God to do this and this and this. Well, well let's, let's drill this down a little bit. What is he saying here? He's talking about bearing spiritual fruit, eternal fruit. He's saying anything that's really going to matter. He said, you can't do this without me. You think you can but you cannot. So if the church is meant to impact eternity, why would we try to do it? With formulas and methods of our own strength. The answer is not in the formula or the method, but rather in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where it is. That's where it was in the beginning, and that's where it always will be. That's why John 14, 13, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's for his glory, church. Amen? Word of grace must be a house of prayer. We must be a gathering of people who are dependent on God, not on ourselves. So any strategy that we have, any ideas that we have, anything that we try to implement, we need to make sure that these are the things that are being led and directed by the Spirit of God and not just some human strength. And that we never get distracted thinking it was somehow us that got us to where we are. Amen? that we recognize that it is all from him and it is all to him. It's for him because he's abiding in us and we're abiding in him. So our church should be a house of prayer. The second house is that your home should be a house of prayer. I love the declaration of Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. It's very, very famous uh, text there. After all of the land had been divided up amongst all of the Israelites, and everything's kind of come to a close. They're in the promised land. They're, they've reached the goal. They're at the place that God had led them to, and they've been through so much, and they've seen so much, and they've seen the hand of God move, even when they chose to be rebellious, even when they uh, uh, did not uh, live their lives as thankful or grateful even when they flat out rejected God. They saw his faithfulness throughout the generations, and now here they are at the moment that had been promised that they were going to inherit this land. And after the land had been divided up, Joshua makes a speech. The leader, Joshua, gets up, and he says this to the group of people in Joshua 24 and verse 15. He says, 
You need to do whatever it is that you think is right. If you want to go and serve the gods of your forefathers, those that were on the other side that went over and served the gods of Egypt, if that seems right to you, then go do that. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. He made a declaration that our home was going to be one that was dedicated to serving God with everything. It, we're not going to be drawn away back into the, the temptations or the lusts or the things that, that, that we used to do over here because we have seen how God has moved. We have seen His faithfulness. We have, we have loved Him. We have grown in our love for Him. And we are going to be a people who are dedicated to serving Him. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. So let me ask you this question then. If our home is to be a house of prayer, how are you prioritizing prayer in your home? I'm talking about your home. Whether you are a single person, whether you are a person who is married, a person who perhaps has children, a person who has grandchildren, a person who perhaps maybe even in your home you, you might have a roommate, you might have friends over. How is your home, how is that environment that environment that, that, is, that, that is that place, that, that sanctuary. Like, what does that look like when it comes to prayer? Is prayer a priority or is it an afterthought? Is prayer something that matters in your home? Because I can't get up here and convince you that prayer is, is, is important and hope to raise your children for you. Amen? You have to show your spouse, your friends, your children your nieces, your nephews, your whoever may come through the doors of that home, that prayer matters here, that this is important, that as for me and my house, as for me and my dwelling place, as for the, the, the influence that I've been given, man, we're going to serve the Lord. And one of the ways we're going to serve the Lord is by keeping what is sacred, sacred. And we are going to take him seriously and take him at his word by starting with this foundation of prayer and putting our dependence on Him, not depending on ourselves. <laughs> praying over decisions, praying over different things. Do you pray uh, with your spouse? Do you pray with your children? Do you pray with your friends? Who? What? Yes, do you pray for your friends when they come over your house? When you're together, do you offer to pray for them? Or do you offer to, let, let's pray over our meal or over our time together or before they leave? Man, I, I know that we, we live up here in the frozen tundra. And sometimes, man, when people leave my house, hey, we need to pray before you go because those roads, man, look pretty, pretty nasty. Are we, offering to, are we prioritizing dependence on God? Are we praying over one another? When we know that someone is going through something, are we offering to pray for them? Are we praying for them with them, letting them know we love them, having that connection point of just being able to pray for them? at meals or taking turns praying before bed or, or before a trip. One of the things that we uh, do as a family is that before we go on a trip, we, uh, we're, we'll be in the garage, the car's packed, and before we back out and we begin down the road, we try to remember always to prioritize prayer by saying, Lord, thank you for this time that we get to spend as a family. Uh, we pray you would just watch over us, help to keep us safe, you know, take care of our little kitties when we're gone, you know. Um, we just, we, we pray you help us to connect, Lord, with one another in a deeper way. We pray, we ask God just to move in, and even in those situations. We pray over things. 
in our house uh, when it comes to financial decisions, uh, whether it may be buying, selling a home, whether it may be uh, spending a large sum of money uh, that, that we're like, we don't know if we're supposed to do this or, or to give something to someone or to be able to serve or say yes or when it comes to our calendar, we need to pray over these things. Are we a house of prayer? And then not only being a house that just always is asking, but being a house that is thanking too. A thankful house, amen? A place where we actually acknowledge when God answers prayer and we stop and we say thank you. We're always asking for things, but are we ever saying thank you? Corporately, as a family, God, thank you. You answered this prayer. One of the ways that our family has utilized uh, this opportunity has been through the uh, Echo Prayer app. And I've been talking about that on social media a little bit. And if you're not on social media, but you have a smartphone, I would invite you to download the free Echo Prayer app because it's a place where you can actually store prayers. It's super easy, especially when you run into a situation where someone tells you something or asks you to pray for them and you go, oh, I'll pray for you, but do you really follow through? This is a great way to help you to follow through. You just punch it in there real quick. And then there's a big, huge, giant button that says pray now, all right? And you click pray now, and you can just scroll through these little slides it makes for you. You can even set up a timer where you pray for each one of those requests a certain amount of time if you want to. If you're, if you're that type of person that likes to have everything just do, 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 do. You can do all of that. It's called the Echo Prayer app, and you can get that on any platform. And you can actually search for Word of Grace on the Echo Prayer app and follow Word of Grace where you can post things that you can have our church family praying for. Or our church can post things that we want to be praying about collectively as a family, as a body. If you haven't done that, man, I would encourage you to get that. It's just another tool. And then the cool part about it is that when a prayer is answered, you can actually celebrate that. And how great would it be and how cool would it be among your church family, to just be acknowledging not only things we're asking for, but when we see God answer a prayer saying, thank you, Lord, and we're all able to celebrate together. I, I think that that's a beautiful thing when we're able to do that. So are we making our home, our house, a house of prayer? My wife and I are growing in this area and praying for one another, and we want to make declarative statements to one another and to our family that we're depending on God. My wife has uh, recently just been coming uh, into my office before we uh, come out and, uh, and, and service begins and just praying for me. And, and I appreciate that so much. I think that's a special time of us just being able to pray together. And, and, and man, at first, when, when we do this, it, you know, it, it may be like, okay, what do you want me to say? Like, God help Derek speak. He kind of speaks a lot all the time. You know, what am I supposed to do? But, but it can be a little awkward at first when you are praying for one another out loud and you don't necessarily maybe know everything that you need to say, but just begin to talk, just begin to say something, begin to pray, begin to say yes to that challenge, to be stretched, to pray for others, to pray for those in your home because we love one another and God has called us to pray for one another. Amen? So we know that the church is supposed to be a house of prayer. We know that our homes, our house is to be a house of prayer. And then lastly, you are to be a house of prayer. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, Scripture says this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 
1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your own body. Now, in the context of this, Paul is writing about sexual immorality, and he is telling the Corinthians that your body is to be kept holy because God's Spirit lives on the inside of you. So you don't need to be doing all of these things that these pagan worshipers are doing and being sexually immoral. You need to make sure that you're, you're, you're treating sexuality in the way that would honor and glorify God, and that's in a marriage covenant between a man and a woman um, in the eyes of God. That's how he sees that and values that. But at the same time, as we look at what he said, it helps us to understand the way God wants us to view our body, that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he no longer resides in a building, in a room, behind a veil that was all made with human hands. He now resides in and among his people who, through faith, have received Christ. And what he has done is that he has made us new, that we are no longer that old man or woman. We are now new creations in Christ. Amen? And because we are new creations in Christ, his spirit dwells in us. He abides in us now. He says, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. And you and I should be a house of prayer if God's Spirit lives on the inside of us. Amen? Because Jesus said, my Father's house should be a house of prayer. And if we are bought with a price, if we belong to Him, our bodies, our temples, this place where we're dwelling should be a place of prayer. We should be people who are praying personally because prayer strengthens us individually. And it helps us to keep our mind and our heart set on God and not on our weaknesses, not on our strengths, not on our limitations, but rather on the limitless power of God. Because Mark 14, 38 said, Jesus was talking to his disciples when he asked them to come and pray with him. He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I know that sometimes it's difficult. I know sometimes just like the disciples in that moment, we want to pass out and fall asleep. I get it. There's times that we, we, we in our flesh, would be weak, that we would want to uh, stray away. But prayer helps to keep us grounded. And it's depending on the Spirit that changes things in you and me. Because we should grow in confidence to know who God is and to know His will for our lives by knowing the real God, by studying the Scripture, by meditating on the Word of God, and continuing in the faith with other believers in Christ-centered community. This is how we grow. This is how we deepen our dependence on Him. Because when we prioritize prayer, we are deepening our dependence on God. We are deepening that trust, that dependence, that saying yes to Him. So our church, our families, and us as individuals, we must be a home, a house, a dwelling place of prayer, a holy and sacred place that communes with God. So what is God drawing your heart to do to be the house of prayer? What is he drawing you to do to perhaps help our church, this local gathering of believers, to be a house of prayer? 
What is he calling you perhaps to even today in your own home to be a house of prayer? What is he challenging you as an individual to do to be a house of prayer?